Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, you know what? I'm very excited about today's show because I've got a fabulous guest joining me, Tim Sirianos. He is the broker owner of Remax Ultimate and he's also the past president of the Toronto Real Estate Board. Tim was a guest back with us last year and I had such an awesome conversation with him. I thought we'd bring him back and find out what exactly is going on in the marketplace. So we're going to be talking a lot of stuff. Um, and uh, hey, for those of you that have not registered yet remember we've got our simple seminar coming up wednesday february the 27th at 7 p.m you don't want to miss this folks we're we're winding down the release of 2019 we've got a three bedroom fully managed units for you for 142.900 and positive cash flow you don't have to worry about a darn thing and the funny thing is is that you've got over 1100 square feet and it's only 142.9. We are going to talk about that at the seminar, but we've got so much more to talk at the seminar about uh, a lot of things that that have uh, some of the rules changes. When you are a landlord, who makes the best tenant? You know, that's a really important. I think if everybody, if you ever want to become a real estate investor, you have to kind of target market it. You can't use the shotgun approach and say, I will take anybody that's willing to pay me rent because that's not always the case. So uh, a lot of uh, the feedback from our seminars over the years, which by the way, have been uh, attended by thousands and thousands of people. Um, One of the great things about uh, this this platform is just allows people to come in, learn a little bit more about the real estate investment part of things. Uh, And again, a little bit of the rules and regulations, some of the things that are happening with cannabis. You you may want to know that if you decide to become a landlord. And of course, we always talk about what we do here and some of the releases that we have up and coming. Again, the 2019 release is almost finished and there's and again you don't want to miss out on the opportunity go to the simpleinvestor.com to register today um, do definitely want to talk about the marketplace and what's going on uh, the weather has been I hope everybody did weather the storm but it's been a little bit crazy and you know you would think that maybe it is slowing the 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 uptick for the spring market uh, when Tim joins me, we're going to talk about that because, quite frankly, um, it seems like the market's got a little bit more substance to it than we thought it might at this time of year. And uh, so it's going to be quite interesting. Uh, again, of course, a couple of little uh, little comments in the news. Um, I, I, I'm not going to put any kind of name or... or put a whole lot of uh, credibility into the chair girl who decided to hurl a chair out of her wind uh, out of the balcony on a uh, condominium uh, folks this is not a good thing um, and you know quite frankly uh, you know despite the fact that you know all the news uh, you know stations were covering it uh, uh, when something like this happens I just wish leave it to the police and nobody talk about her and I think it would be a much better uh, again up until now I don't know if it's an Airbnb situation or not but again that always puts them in a hot seat because everybody's going after Airbnb because they think that they're yanking the rental market away from people and uh, we'll just let that one play out again I don't want to give too much uh, too much uh, credence to this whole thing other than you know what if you're if you're that stupid to throw a chair out the window then you should be that stupid to go to jail and uh, that's about it because safety is what matters and speaking of safety I think everybody heard about the pane of glass uh, that decided to take a little bit of a hike and come crashing down uh, in the York area there. Um, again, uh, these condominiums, you know, they're going to see this. And so be exceptionally careful 
uh, you know, <laughs> out there walking. I don't think everybody should have a hard hat, but, you know, again, things like this definitely put a scare into things. But I'm very excited about my guest in the studio with me today. It is Tim Sirianos. And you would recognize that name, of course, because Tim has been a regular guest and contributor to News Talk 1010. Um, but it's really his past life uh, that you might remember. Tim was the president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, but he is also a real estate broker owner at Remax Ultimate. And uh, Tim, I had you on the show before. I'm so, uh, so happy you came back thanks so much excited to be here always uh, it's always a pleasure you know one of the things that I also talk about of course is the West Coast and you know we bring up Vancouver once in a while because Vancouver you know for years and years if you remember uh, it was it was the polar opposite of us when Vancouver's market was doing well Toronto did not yes. and then of course when Toronto gained steam Vancouver fell apart I mean you know I, I'm probably going back I'm, I'm dating myself here because I was playing with real estate in the 80s so you know in the 80s and 90s we saw this huge cycle of course you know a few years ago we all got on the same page we watched Vancouver go through the roof you know big thing accusations for foreign buyers we're gonna do foreign buyer taxes let's collapse the Vancouver market they did a really good job you know give the give credit to the bc government they did exactly what they wanted to do took the air out of the tires vancouver now um you know we talked to romana king she's our, our real estate expert there on the west coast and um you know one of the things we found is that you know vancouver is also coming back they're starting to gain some steam you know a little bit more momentum um being the president of treb of course i i know and you and i talked about this in an earlier show you know you really have a vast knowledge not just of toronto real estate but you know you were being fed data and talking with different boards different you know officials everywhere throughout the world you know when we talk about vancouver you know it's uh I mean, it, it, it is a shining star as well. Well, the, their leadership in Vancouver um, from an association standpoint is is very special. I, I really enjoyed working with them during my term when I was president of TREB. Um, uh, you know, they really, really work hard with the government, too, to try to keep them um, abreast of what changes that they're proposing could could do. Uh, they didn't really listen too much, to, unfortunately. And you're right, the steam was taken out. This created a lot of confusion, not not just confusion to to the um, uh, the realtors, the, the association, but also the consumers with you know how people are represented and and uh, oh this foreign buyers tax and what will it do and how many people you know how many properties are vacant and how many are not. Uh, at the end of the day, you know what I remember clearly and what we've discussed even presently when we when we do talk is that the market in Vancouver and Toronto are completely different. Mm -hmm. You know, the proximity to the Asia's, you know, like all, overall yep. and the type of buyer that primarily they receive, you know, compared to what we have here is very different. Um, their vacancy rate is very different. Uh, but you're right. Things are starting to come back. People are starting to um, uh, no different than the office rules here with the stress test and everything else. People are starting to uh, adjust to the new normal and um, they are seeing some positive signs. The one thing, though, that I that really amazed me is how we did not follow Vancouver. Like we we talk about we're following Vancouver, but yep. we're really not following Vancouver. Yep. They have different influences, like different reasons for their market changing sure. than we have. Um, there, theirs was a lot of government intervention in different ways. Yep. We kind of followed suit with the vacancy tax. Yep. Um, 
it was a losing proposition for many years in Vancouver, but now it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, in Toronto, I'm willing to bet that it would be a total negative uh, in Toronto. Again, to answer your question originally, the market in Vancouver, from what I've been told, is coming back. Yeah. So, you, you know, you mentioned Offsea, of course, and that's the people that put in the stress test. Uh, if we if we bump one one province over, of course, we talk about Alberta. Yes. Um, there's a lot of people that say it's it's unfair uh, for Albertans to be suffering kind of through that because, again, you know, everybody knows, obviously, the financial situation that happened to Alberta for a few years. Yes. You know, not only did you have that, you know, the major fires, you had, you know, all sorts of, you know, issues and concerns, oil, everything. Oil going down. Yeah, oil and, going, yeah. So, 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 I mean, they got lambasted and then they make it even harder, um, you know, but, you know, Alberta's a strong market. You know, we're, we're, we're again, they're, they're kind of coming out of the ashes, yes. so, so to speak. And we're starting to see them kind of move forward a little. Should it be that they do not have to go through the same kind of restrictions as some of the other provinces? Well, I mean, I haven't heard the restrictions being the same as what's gone through in Vancouver and in, and in um, uh, Toronto, for right. that matter. But uh, in talking to some of my you know, uh, colleagues, well, yeah. we'll call them that in Alberta, they are starting to see some positive signs in the future. Like when we say future, we're not talking about two to three years out. We're talking yeah. about months out, right? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, one thing about anything that we invest in, what goes up comes a little bit down, what goes down eventually will go back up. And all I have to do is look at the last 30 or 40 years of anything from the dollar to oil, to energy, to gold, to real estate. Um, I mean, things are on the rebound across the country. Now, you know, the employment numbers have been really good across the country, but uh, obviously with these, they're going to, we're going to have some reports, I believe in my heart, uh, not as positive because of all the stress testing that we went through and all the slowdown in financial investment that we went through. Right. Um, but once that's adjusted slightly, I, I believe that things will be better. And, it's, and don't forget, election year. So uh, hold yes. hold tight for lots of promises, everybody. Like, you know, like hold tight. Yeah, and that's the promise. That's uh, I mean, that's a promise that the promises are going to be coming. Yeah. We just don't know where what they're going to tell us or what they're going to try to buy your vote with. Well, you know, one thing, um, you know, you've all already had the finance minister talk about affordability for, for homeowners, right, and making things more affordable, which is a direct shot at you know, what they put in place a, a year and two ago, right? Sure. So um, things are coming kind of full circle here. Yeah. So so a quick comment on affordability, because again, that's one of those things that is up in the air. But when we talk about new home sales, they're down. You know, new home sales. Now, of course, we know condominium market's been strong. Um, do you just, is it, they're just priced out of the market or people just don't want to really, like when we talk new home sales, these are, we're referring more to detached townhomes and semi-detached. Well, listen, my concern with, with uh, reporting uh, of these numbers, it, it, it always concerns me, okay? I, uh, before, early on in the show, we talked about a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. You know, you com- and now how it's better to compare uh, numbers quarterly or monthly, year over year, compared to day by day or hour by hour. I mean, if we were to compare, um, you know, the week of February the 10th um, of 2018 to the week of February the 10th, 2019, we're down by 90%. (laughs) Nobody's nobody's talking about the snowstorm we had though, right? And why we're down 90%. So we got to be very careful. Um, Again, I've I've shared uh, more than once uh, in, in many conversations that I've had, we have uh, an agent in our office who went uh, 500 people were in line and there were 80 homes. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, and those numbers that are reported are across Canada. You know, housing starts in Canada are down. Well, sure. Maybe they're down in Manitoba. Yeah. But are they really down in Ontario or New Brunswick? Sure. 
So we got to be very careful as a as a buyer, as somebody who's looking who in, to invest in your future. Mm-hmm. Real estate is in your future. It's not a quick feel good investment. It's a long term investment. Analyze the neighborhood you live in. Look at the values in your neighborhood. Look at why the values are what they are, schools, proximity to work. Why would you be in that area? And then make your decision based on that, not based on a headline. Uh, Folks, when we come back, I will have more with Tim Sirianos. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So I'm very excited about my guest in the studio with me today. It is Tim Sirianos. I, I, I got to tell you, when you were on the show last time, it, you know, you and I blew through the time so so quickly. And I remember when you left, I kind of went, I forgot to ask him. And there was so it was like this list, you know. It just we 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 get on such a roll, and you're such a professional, um, you know. So I've got lots to talk about today. I'll try to stay on point, but again, if you you know you you can go in any direction you want, it's okay. And well, um, the reality is when when you have a passion for what we do, and it's real estate, of course, and we live and breathe it, uh, it's easy to to go by. Uh, Two hours, three hours for that matter, right? <laughs> yes. Well, we'll have to reach out to the producers. Um, next time I have a two-hour show, a two-hour special, I'll have you come on. <laughs> so, um, so you know what? We, we may as well kind of delve into the very beginning. Here we are, 2019, you know, midway through March, of course. Uh, you know, a couple of hiccups with the weather. But let's talk about the opening market because, you know, I saw a stat that came in. They actually said January wasn't as bad as everybody thought it would be, even though the weather was kind of going a little wonky on us. Well, it's quite remarkable. I, one, one of the things that I do every single day is I get a report from the, the street level, the agents that are on the street working with their, you know, with their clients. Right. And I review every single day transactions that are handed in, how many phone calls go to the office, how many appointments are booked on the actual homes we have for sale. So we have a really, really good, you know, our fingers on the pulse of what's really going on, where most times the media or, or even Treb for that matter, sees things or reports things two weeks and four weeks later. So what we have here now is the first several, um, first month and into February, aside from this last week with a snowstorm, yeah. uh, where the market has been very resilient, showing a lot of positive uh, numbers moving forward. We are seeing multiple offers. We are seeing more inventory hitting the marketplace. And I'm very confident that when the numbers do come out and are released um, from all the powers uh, around us and above us, that you will see a, a much a much different picture than what we experienced last year. Yeah, you know, when you were on the show last year, one of the things that uh, you did was you, you yanked out your crystal ball, and I think you almost nailed it within a couple of sales. Uh, you know, we were talking about around 77,000 coming through into into uh, the GTA area. Yes. Um, and, you know, that was pretty much your prediction, and, you know, you nailed it. Um, so I just was going uh, to ask you, tonight's lottery, um, what numbers do I need? Well, <laughs> I, if I if, uh, if for that easy i'd be sharing a lot of that with a lot of people right so you know it's it's um last year uh really started off uh in in a crazy way i mean and not in a good way crazy way no. uh these new policies and i'm sure we'll, we'll talk a lot about government intervention you know right now <laughs> i'm sorry uh, government intervening that doesn't yes. happen does it no no i mean i, I remember once somebody said that uh, if they have uh, if they can reach for a chainsaw, they won't use a knife, right? So yeah. <laughs> um, they yeah, they were really too involved last year, and it created a lot of chaos and a lot of uncertainty uh, throughout the whole year. And uh, as we discussed in the last show uh, together, last interview, it was like a relay race. The fourth yeah. quarter really picked up steam. People were starting to understand that, you know, we do have to move. We do have to look 
and accept the new normal here, what's going on. Uh, I hate it. I don't like the new, the new off rules. Uh, yes. Thank you very much, government. I will be going to a B lender. I will be going outside of the re regulatory environment, which is not good for the consumer. Um, but they started to, to re-enter the marketplace. And then it did wane off a little bit in December. Yep. Uh, December did have a little bit more of a pullback than I expected even as well. Uh, but then once the holidays passed, uh, everything started to refocus back into the, uh, the the spring market. When we take a look, you know, year over year, because that's all, you know, I mean, due to technology and the fact that you do have so many people on the ground that you're able to, you know, draw numbers from, you know, at, at one point people were almost, you know, measuring things hourly, you know, back in 2016, 2017, that yes, part, were. you know, and now if we start talking and we, we, we revert back to the old way of doing it, saying year over year or quarter over quarter, you know, the, the I, I don't think the numbers are quite so ominous, except for the fact that massive, you know, and, and again, it wasn't a price, you know, huge depreciation that we were looking at, but it was definitely the volume that was affected so badly. And, you know, you, you touched on, you know, one of the instigators, of course, was the stress test. And right now we hear a lot of rumblings in the industry that, you know, there, there, there are a lot of the mortgage companies, there are a lot of the big lenders, even this, and, and a lot of the smaller lenders, of course, are saying, hey, listen, you know, you've got to either change your program, don't be so ironclad, because I mean, there are people out there that, you know, when we start talking about 20% down, 25% down, okay, the idea that they have to qualify 2% higher as far as a mortgage rate is ridiculous to a certain extent, because again, we're, we're talking real equity, we're talking conventional mortgages, and at the same time, they're, they're being made to jump through hoops. And Correct. so, you know, where where does the risk lie? Does it does it lie because they're taking on too much debt and they're afraid that they're going to you know um, they're going to lose the property and then the bank's going to, have to take back a bunch of property? Well, if they did, and and we don't have a crash market situation, you know, there's equity built in there. You know, it gives you a few more homes to sell. But how do you see this all working out? Because again, as you mentioned, government intervention. Do you think they're astute enough to realize that they're going to have to like lighten up a little? So when you're looking at the actual stress that the test that was put in place and you look back before this new policy, there's always been a stress test. There's always been a offered rate and a posted rate and you have to qualify on that posted rate. Right. But they've just added 2% more. Yeah. It just made it impossible for what's really unfortunate here, what's really unfair for consumers is that they cannot change banks. Imagine like three years from now, you get your mortgage, you do qualify with the stress test and you buy the property and you're in the property and you've paid down a certain portion. And now because of the stress test, competition has been eliminated. You can't go to another big bank because you won't requalify. Yeah. And that was one of the things that, you know, we, we, we brought up here on the show was the fact that, you know, listening to the, you know, the banks can't be as aggressive to draw people away because of the stress test. And as you said, they may not qualify again based on the fact that they bought two years ago, three years ago. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting on how the banks are going to play it out. Well, I, I really believe that if you need to look at the real problem. Uh, how many envelopes have our listeners received with a pre-approved credit card increase? Yeah. So we're talking about household debt. They're putting you through a stress test to buy a property, but they're throwing credit card pre-approvals at consumers, sure. at households yeah. every single day. You want to control household debt? Let's put a clamp on that and let people live in a home. It's been proven 
over and over again. It's a positive attribute to society when you own a home. You raise a family in a home. It's much different than having disposable credit card um, accessible you know, income sure. there that you can basically buy a car on that gives you nothing. Okay, I want you to hold that thought, folks. We're going to go to a quick break, but I'm going to come back with Tim Sirianis because the next question I'm going to ask is how do you set yourself up financially to qualify for the, uh, for the most amount that you can? So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest in the studio with me is Tim Sirianos, and he is a broker owner at Remax Ultimate, and he's also the past president of the Toronto Real Estate Board. And Tim, just before the break, you and I were talking about the stress test and how it's making it difficult for people to qualify. But, you know, one of the things that I thought that we should also mention to our listeners, and this is, I've seen people get caught on this. They've decided that they want to buy a house this year, mm -hmm. but at the same time, they say, okay, yeah, but I need a new car. And all of a sudden what they do is they'll go out and they'll, you know, buy a nicer car, a higher, higher payment. And they don't realize that all of this debt gets put into that GDS and TDS ratios that Correct. people carry. And then all of a sudden, you know, they turn around and say, wait a minute, I can't afford the house I want to. On, on also the flip side of that are the people that have bought from a builder with a super long closing, couldn't get, because of closing so long, the banks typically will not give you a commitment for five years. Coming up on the closing today, and they just went out and they bought a couple of cars or some furniture in anticipation of you know moving into this property, and the bank says, wait a minute, you have too much debt, you don't qualify. Is there is there some advice you know you can give people here, or other than don't take on too much debt? Well, uh, first and foremost, uh, when you have these discussions with a mortgage broker or bank, doesn't matter who you're speaking to about it to get a mortgage, you need to have the discussion with them, and you should definitely not add any debt from now until closing day. The majority of closings that we've experienced that have not closed properly, or we had a little bit of a scramble on closing day, is exactly what you mentioned. Uh, people buying something three, four, five years ago, especially in the pre-construction market of condominiums. Sure. First of all, you don't know what you're going to need in five years from now. Mm -hmm. So you're buying 600 square feet, but now you're married, you have a child, <laughs> so you need 750 or 800 square feet. But aside from that, I mean, life happens. Yep. I, I life happens. Love and, that saying. And, and every single contract with a builder, every single agreement has that, that they're going to requalify you. Yeah, it's actually in there. Sure. And um, you can't sneak that in. You can't put it under the rug. You can't say, oh, they won't notice a new car. Uh, it really, it, it really does affect more closings than, than people know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in, in a lot of people's cases, like I said, um, you know, they, they, they go out, they extend themselves, then they can't qualify. Um, it, then they sometimes have to, you know, get either parents, family members, somebody else to come on the mortgage with them. And again, we're finding more and more stress being put there or they're having to put more money down. So this is very common. And, you know, the second tier mortgage market is picking up steam right now. They're higher interest rates, higher carrying charges, but they're the ones who will sometimes allow people to qualify so they can at least close the property. Happen, it's happening much more. Uh, there was a report out right now that it, that part of the market's grown by over 8%. Right. in the past year that's huge when you're looking at we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars we're not talking about yeah, uh, one or two mortgages year, yeah, yeah sure. no we're talking about eight percent in the mortgage business yeah. is in the hundreds of millions of dollars and uh, i had conversations with uh people in scotia bank and people in rbc and people in td and they've said yes they felt they have actually felt the drain they have sure. felt the pressure so the same 
my my crystal ball says the same people who've asked for this trust test are now yeah. going back saying, okay, let's modify this. Yeah, I was just because say. Uh, there's you know the mortgage market is flat for the big banks. They're not showing. They're not posting any increases. Uh, I know most of our listeners won't cry over that. Uh, I'm not crying over that either because no. they're posting billion dollar you know income year over year. But <laughs> at the end of the day, um, they're they're seeing the difference, and and it, and it should it should change. It and I mean that not. I mean like it really just should change. They should actually yeah. be lobbying as well to change this. Well, you know, one of the things, of course, is that um, you know RBC was the first ones out of the gate uh, in January to say they're going to start a little deeper discounts to the mortgage mm-hmm. rates. And you know, when we take a look at the numbers, and if you and I just kind of reflect back to you know the peak of 2016, where you had uh, 113,000 transactions that happened, and then you take a look at last year, 2018, at uh, 77. You know, when we take a look at that size of differential when you're when you when you actually lose 36,000 transactions you have to you have to double it because you have to remember there's buyers and sellers okay so Correct. did you so you not only lost the mortgage but you didn't gain a new mortgage and there's a lot of first time home buyers that are not wading into the market as we've seen you know that 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 year with that peak there was a, still a lot of first time home buyers coming into the marketplace because it was affordable you know pr- prices hadn't peaked yet and so what happens now are these banks they're scrambling saying okay we're not getting new book and so right now, you know, they're not showing any growth. As you said, flat, a lot of them are going backwards because now they're losing to the second tier lenders, the privateers and everybody else. They're also losing to the renovation market. The, pre, the, reno, the, the refinance market is also, because of the new stress test, sure. is grinding the economy to a halt. Yep. So they, they're going to see the numbers. The government's going to see the numbers. They're going to see the lost revenue. Like, let's, not, let's remind ourselves. $68,000 in spinoff business for every home sale. Yeah. So you'd go from 93000 to 77000 Calculate that by $68,000. Sure. That, that filters through the entire economy, whether it's a painter, whether it's flooring, whether it's appliances, whether it's new windows, a roof, landscaping. There's a lot of money involved around a home sale. So, and the flip side to what we're talking about here, or, or the, the common thread, is that we've talked about these people leaving the marketplace. They've never left. They're just sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. So the pressure on prices is what I'm concerned about for the greater Toronto area. And I'm talking about greater Toronto as far as Hamilton. You know, I'm going right down the, the, the QEW on one end, and I'm going across Oshawa. the 401 on the other. Sure. And I know Oshawa's closed down, but... At the, at, uh, Oshawa's closed, closed down because of the GM plant or is, is going to happen. But overall, when you're eliminating that many home sales, you're putting a pressure on a bounce back. Yeah. But, you know, you, I, I, I'm glad you brought up Oshawa because that is one, in in my opinion, and folks, I'm, I'm just going to throw on my simple investor hat here for a second, um, is the fact that I believe actually – uh, Oshawa is a market of the future, and one of the reasons why, of course, is you've got the Go Trains right there. Uh, the GM was not their biggest employer; it came no. in at number four. Mm-hmm. Okay, everybody was screaming that you know all these people are losing their jobs. And for those of you that are, of course, we you know we're, we're sympathetic to the situation. Obviously, bad GM. Let's slap them on the hands. 
But at the end of the day, there are a great deal of people that have paid off their properties. They are eligible for for their their full pensions. They are. So th there's a lot of po there's a still a lot of positives that are sitting there. But when we talk about affordability, I think Oshawa is probably one of the most affordable places to live in the GTA. Because because when we go when we go west and we talk about Hamilton, you know, Hamilton ten years ago, fifteen years ago, it is Oshawa today. And so in other words, it was, you know, brick and mortar, great value brick and mortar. But nobody really was all that excited about it. And then all of a sudden, it started to to there was excitement, there was youthfulness. They were bringing it back, doing a lot of renovations. I think. Oshawa is that next hub, and no, folks, I don't have anything in Oshawa, so <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just trying to predict that I think Oshawa is going to be a decent market in the future. And anytime you have these kind of pressures on affordability in the city center, yeah. obviously there's going to be push on the outskirts, outer markets, and other markets. So yes, Hamilton's experienced it. Burlington is beautiful. Yep. Uh, Hamilton is beautiful. Like uh, you're watching things going to Milton. You know, there, there were um, just two weeks ago we had one of our our agents uh, go to a uh, pre-construction uh, for homes, not for a condo, for homes in Milton, and there were 500 people in line. There were only 80 homes for sale. So you can seeing the push that if it's not if you can't buy in Toronto, sure. people are going to go to the outskirts. They are going to go to other communities, and they're they're going to benefit from it. Yeah, for sure. You know, and and like I said, it's pretty exciting because you know there is so much when we talk about the GTA market, and and you know again a lot of people always think Toronto, Toronto proper, like right in the core, and that is so not the bulk of the market. You know that 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 that's boardwalk. But when you play the game of Monopoly, it's a big board. Well, you know what's really interesting is that. Uh, our offices are in Toronto proper, basically. Like they are right in downtown Toronto, right in the hub. And right in the hub. And I will share with your listeners that it is, you know, the Manhattanization of of Toronto is happening. We're seeing way more rentals than sales now in downtown Toronto. Where, you know, maybe about seven or eight years ago, three uh, percent or four percent of my portfolio as a, as a whole was rental transactions. Sure. Now we're 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 creeping up to about. 15 to 20 percent of of our entire uh transactions being rentals and they're not small rentals. we're not talking about a basement apartment here no, we're no. talking about three thousand four thousand eight thousand dollars a month so i could just imagine in eight to ten years from now just That's... what's good what toronto property is going to be and that means that if you want to buy a white picket fence sure a two-car garage with any kind of yard you will be going to other communities. I was going to say, you're going to be in the outskirts. Uh, I'm going to have you hold that thought because I want to come back and talk to you about the rental market because, again, one of the hottest topics right now in the news are both tenants and landlords. So, folks, when we come back, I've got more with Tim Siriano. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So, uh, by the way, if you've missed any part of this show, um, make sure you go to News Talk 1010. Uh, you can click on the, sh on the show, Simply Real Estate, right here with me, your host, Todd C. Slater, and go to my SoundCloud account. Um, you don't want to miss the conversation I have had with my guest so far this hour, Tim Sirianos, and he is a broker owner at REMAX Ultimate, uh, former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board. Um, Tim, just before the break, you know, you were, you were telling us, of course, uh, the activity in as a broker owner of what I would consider a very, very successful brokerage, you know, very active, lots of agents, and you're finding that huge uptick in the rental transactions. And, you know, I can tell you as, as a realtor for so many years, there would be a year that would go by that maybe I would do one rental and let's say I'd sell 200 homes, 
but I do one rental transaction. So what's interesting, we have a we have a, a realtor in our office that does a hundred rentals a year. Wow. A hundred. Right. Right. So it's it's a big segment of the downtown market right now. And it, it's what's concerning about it though is the poor people looking to find a place to rent. Right. Sure. It's the 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 market is so tight right now, it's under one percent. Vacancies are at all time lows. Um, you know, we're just hoping that the the plans here we are now we're looking for a plan from the government oh. <laughs> to try to to change you know things uh to create more supply and uh you know i, I think once before we talked about basement apartments let's yeah. make them yeah let's make let's them, legalize them let's legalize them like yeah. you know let's let's uh let's look outside of the box here sure. let's just accept you know it's just like cannabis we know it's on the streets yep. so you legalized it right yep. so let's look at you know basement rentals and let's legalize them let's let's provide people with an opportunity and i'm not talking about no dingy basement you know with a 40 no. watt bulb here we're talking about a proper legal apartment did you hear about the proposal for they, they want to legalize rooming houses yes and of course um because look they exist they, they they are real just like basement apartments are real but i think i think really it, it's not so that everybody runs around and starts opening up rooming houses i think it is for safety because of course knowing that you know it was a rooming house that uh you know a young girl died last year mm -hmm. and it was just because not even close to the fire code mm -hmm. and so i think i think there's a huge potential in that marketplace because for those people that or, you know, they, they, they rent a room, they pay $500 uh, a month. Okay, well, that's affordability. Uh, you know, do you always want to live with four other people? Not necessarily. But at the end of the day, it's an option. But when we when we talked about, when you and I did last talk about this, you know, yeah, I love the idea of basement apartments, but I also like the idea of people allowing to be able to cre create legal duplexes and triplexes for ownership. And as, because in the U.S., it's huge, where, you know, you'll take your typical, let's say, three-story detached in Toronto, um, but yet it's set up as three apartments, so why not let, allow them legal registration of those three? So yeah, that, that would be a great start. Um, I want to discuss with you also how we can loosen up and get some investment going, flowing through yeah, these, you know, going through here. Uh, I was looking at a stat before I came on the show with you today, and between 1965 and 1980, there were 175,000 purpose-built rental units made right. and from 1980 to 2019 are you ready for this one sure about 12,000 do you know who you can thank for that uh, rent control Bob Ray yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> I wasn't gonna put you on the spot but yeah rent control of course uh, know. so I mean the, the the numbers don't lie I no. mean uh, I believe that there's social responsibility and there's balance and everything uh, I'm not going to come on your show and say no let's abolish rent control there there are but we can't we can't attack the entire rental pool as everybody being a bad landlord right what we need to do is look at ways to have funds flow to that marketplace again yep. build them provide the opportunity for the investors to be able to have their return their investment. Yep. And once, imagine if we had 175,000 purpose-built rentals from 1980 to 2019. Sure. Would we have this problem with rentals today? No, not nowhere near the situation that we've got. But we, we you know, we also, I think, have to uh, accept the fact that at this time, you know, with the immigration, it's also escalating at, yes. at an increasing rate. And we have to understand where people are, you know, their, their stopping point is. And, of course, everybody wants to come to Toronto. You come to Canada, eventually you want to be in Toronto. So, you know, with that growth in, in, in play and the fact that, you know, they're going to continue, the federal government wants to continue to increase the number of people that are allowed to immigrate in, 
into Canada, that just means that Toronto better be prepared or the outer markets of Toronto need to be prepared for this. And as you said, purpose-built rentals. Um, you know, where's the incentive? Well, you know, talking about in the news uh, recently, uh, the Ford government has tried to turn around and I think speed up uh, the back end of an eviction mm-hmm. for landlords. And, you know, one of the reasons why, and we talk about this all the time at Simple Simple Investor, is the fact that, you know, it's really tough being a landlord today. It is. And I and, and sorry for those tenants that sit there and think that all, you know, all landlords are, are, are horrible. But the truth is, is that as a landlord, if you do not get paid, the timeline basically to be able to move somebody out uh, can run anywhere from three to five months today based on the LTB and going through all the proper hearings. Well, the problem with that is that, that means that that landlord is now carrying the nut. They are paying the mortgage, the taxes, yes, the condominium fees, whatever is necessary. You could have had somebody that just th- th- this was their 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 sole future. They thought they'd buy a unit. You know, I'm not I'm not talking about the guys that are, own thousands and thousands of units. I'm talking about the the one ofs. They're not nearly as motivated to play landlord because they know and they hear the horror stories where they can be without rent for months, thus you know creating a cash flow issue for them. And and it's tough. Again, on the you know contradiction side of things, of course, you've got some landlords that are not very you know nice. They're, you know, they're, they're doing illegal acts and it makes it hard for tenants to trust some landlords. So, you know, I think, I think the governing bodies really need to wake up and I think, I think they really have to, you know, completely collapse with the system that they have in place, rebuild it with the proper authorities and the proper people in play to say, look, if you don't pay rent, you get evicted. If you're a bad landlord, we fine you. I mean, you, you know, we need both parties to work correctly. Neither one is right now. So you're talking about checks and balances. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I don't disagree with you. Checks and balances are very important. And I'll say it again. I've, I believe that it is our responsibility to have social responsibility, you know, and to make sure that uh, everybody's protected and it just not not a one-way street it's a two-way street right so everybody's protected the biggest thing uh, that we need to do though is how to get people to create more housing for the needs that we we have today yeah and the needs that we're gonna have next year five years and ten years from now so we got what you said before you have uh, many areas of the city of Toronto where you can have a legal triplex put into a neighborhood very easily that should be sped up it should be allowed should be legalized with rules, with with you know, yep. engineering reports, whatever you need to do, get it done. Um, make sure you don't bog things down with red tape in the permit in the permit offices. Make sure that things that people are prepared to allow this influx. There are, there are thousands of lanes in in Toronto. Right. Uh, we're talking, you're talking about, about laneway properties. Laneway properties. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of laneway properties. I know uh, in my practicing years, and I know just being in the city and dealing with our agents every on day in day out basis, that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of coach houses already in lanes. Sure. There are already properties that are built and ready. All they need to do is have a gas line put in, yep. or you know, reinsulated or rewired. There, there is, there are solutions there. Yep. We just have to think. And they're quick. Yeah, you know what? And See, that's and the thing. That's, that it can happen today. And I'm not, I'm not trying to take a political side here. Uh, I've met our mayor. You know, I've had great conversations with him. He he really has his heart in the right place. You know, I'm very happy with what he's doing. I'm just calling on all councillors, all people, to start going to other places in Europe, for example, or other North American sure. cities. We Toronto, Toronto, Hamilton, Oshawa, all these areas we're talking about are not the only cities who are having these problems. This is a worldwide issue. Mm -hmm. And we need to find out what are they doing in Portugal? 
What are you doing in Italy? What are you doing in France? What are you doing in England? You know, I, I witnessed that deputy mayor talking about being in partnership with developers, you know, providing lands at a discounted price, uh, decreasing development charges, yeah. not looking at them as a cash cow, looking at them as partners to create sure. affordable housing, to make it attainable for people. So there are solutions. We just got to open our eyes to them and our ears to them and work together. Yeah. Right? Think outside the box. Correct. I think, I think that's really important. So, you know, speaking of th- uh, outside the box, um, offers. Yes. You, know, one, one, you, you had mentioned earlier in the show, you know, we're, we're starting to see some multiple offers. And of we are. course, when we hear multiple offers, we remember a few of the horror stories there. You know, spring 2017, everybody losing it. 90 offers on a property. You know, people out bidding, wondering, okay, what am I truly paying for this? Um, you know, they keep popping up the idea of auctions and yet you know we need to talk about privacy where do you stand on that and is there a solution because again you know it's 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 tough it's it's a tough thing to do you know i've been on the the controlling side of an offer um you know selling people's properties you know multiple offers 30 40 50 offers in in front of us it's a really tough thing to do so mandating how somebody will dispose of their property from a government perspective, I think is a problem. I think I don't believe that the gov- any government should get involved with how you would sell a stock right. or how you would sell, you know, or how you can sell, you know, your home, right? Sure. Um, consumer choice is, is what my position is. And, uh, you know, there are going to be some sellers who would want to have a closed bid environment and there'll be, you know, obviously some sellers who would, wouldn't mind doing the auction approach to this, you know, where, and we're using the word auction, there are flaws in every system. So we need to realize that just because, you know, somebody chooses to have an open bid environment does not mean that there aren't flaws in there. Just go to Australia, talk to the regulatory bodies there, and I'm sure they'll give you a three or four page list of the flaws that they're experiencing as well. So my advice, do your research, speak to your professional. It's consent driven, right? Yep. Educate the, the, the pros and the cons all the way through with everything that may happen. And, you know, as a buyer, if you don't want to participate in a closed bid environment, then that's your choice. You yeah. know, don't participate in it. If you don't want to participate in a open bid environment, again, that's don't. your choice. Sure. You don't have to. We talked earlier about multiple offers that we're experiencing already in, in January and February. Well, you know, there are buyer clients who are walking away from that scenario. They're saying, you know what? I respect that there are five other people who are interested in the property and they want to bid on the property. I don't want to participate, participate in this. You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not interested in this. You know, I'll, I'll hold back. Let me do continue to do my, some research. Let me continue to see, feel out the marketplace, see where we're going with everything before I decide to jump in this way or not. So, uh, my position is very clear. It's consumer choice. And I don't think that any government should get involved in mandating how somebody can, dictate how to sell their property they can mandate us as realtors sure you know they can they can put heavier stricter rules on disclosure which i have always agreed with uh more you know responsibility on us to make sure that you know look the, the vast majority of realtors are hard-working great people yep every industry could have one or two or three scenarios where things can go sideways right in any industry let's make it you know where uh, there, there's transparency that way, where there's disclosures there and everything else. But let's be careful of that fine line, that privacy line. There's privacy there. Government right now, legislature, does not allow us to, to, to uh, share the contents of other agreements. Yeah. So we've got to be very careful there, <clears throat> yeah. you know? 
I agree. I always have to be careful with the government. Choice, <laughs> choice, choice. Don't <laughs> give them a chainsaw. That's it. <laughs> Listen, Tim, you know, it's amazing how fast when, uh, how fast the time flies by. Of course, we're mandated by time here at the show, but uh, I really appreciate you coming in once again. Oh, it's wonderful and being here. Got to have you come back because, um, you know, I'm looking at my list. We didn't even come close to what we, we were hoping to get to get done, but we'll definitely have you back and I'll keep part of the list and we'll go from there. So thanks so much for coming in today. Thank you very much. Great being here. Always a pleasure. Folks, that is Tim Sirianos, and he is the broker owner of Remax Ultimate. And uh, that's it. That's a wrap. Wow, did we ever fly by this one uh, this week? And uh, I want to thank uh, Mike and Ian. They make it simple for me this week, of course. I want to thank you for tuning in. And uh, remember, I'm back next Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.